A couple of things before we jump into the message. Um, First, Happy New Year, everybody. Obviously, it's been said several times this morning, but Happy New Year and glad that you're here uh, today. Uh, It's my son-in-law's birthday today, Ryan. So happy birthday down there to Ryan. Anybody else have a birthday today? Ryan, you're the only one in the world on January the 2nd. So that's awesome. Then Jonathan had mentioned... um, you know, healing prayer. And if you were at the Christmas Eve service, how many of you were at Christmas Eve service real quickly? One of the things that we did that was a little unusual, but, um, you know, creative team and worship arts had felt like showing testimonies of how God is moving right now. So we say that and we preach that, but then on the back end of it, when it's happening, we're not always good at connecting all of the different reports of the healings that are going on, the good things that God's doing in people's lives. So what they did was just spend, you know, what was that, two or three minutes just doing some of the testimonies. So listen to this. Lady comes to the Christmas Eve service, is attending with her family, has been struggling with, um, uh, Kathy, where are you, or David? What was it that? Neck and shoulders from a car accident two years ago. Comes to Christmas Eve, not expecting God to do this, was watching the testimonies. And when we started to worship the Lord, she asked the Lord for healing, and he healed her on the spot. Now, wait. So she's so excited, she can't contain herself. So she starts emailing everybody she can possibly. She's looking online. How can I find anybody to share this testimony? So when I wake up on Christmas morning, first thing that comes into my inbox, it was forwarded to me three or four different times from different pastors, was this testimony of this woman's healing First thing, what a Christmas present she got, huh? Okay, so why do I even take the time to share this right now? Because I don't feel like we always do a good job trying to connect all that God is doing in people's lives. But we announce healing prayer this morning. And maybe you came here and you thought to yourself, I, just, I don't even know where I'm at with that right now. Maybe, maybe you don't even have the faith for it right now. Sometimes our prayer is this, Lord, I believe. Would you please help me where I struggle with belief, right? We're not always there. God is merciful to us and God helps us. And so maybe this morning, you just happen to be here at the right place, at the right time, with a God who loves you, who cares about you, and who wants to heal you. And so I would just encourage you, when the service is done, take a few minutes. If you have a physical need for prayer, or maybe you want to stand in for someone else, we allow that too. Obviously, God's not limited in space and time. And so I would just invite you, but I would, I would tell you that to get your faith up today. How many of you believe that God can move in your life today? This morning, it's an important issue. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in the series that we're in right now. All right, last thing, and they're not, they're not addendums to what I want to teach about today. Each of these are just separate little things that I want to share with you. Uh, so this is just one more thing before the message. At the first of the year, what I normally do... Uh, is take the, uh, the number of the year, and then biblically, I just look up what that number means. Now, every year I feel like I have to explain this so that someone doesn't go home and make a terrible mistake. This is not numerology. Numerology is forecasting the future using numbers. It gets into divination. It gets into all sorts of things that the Bible says, stay away from those things. There's no room for those things in your life. But biblically, numbers have meaning. Certain numbers in the Bible have meaning. 22 is a meaningful number in the Bible. Did you know that? 
All right, so let me talk about this real quick um, because it has a dual meaning, uh, both good and bad. And doesn't that sound like the times we live in right now? All right, so um, here's, here's 22, and I'm going to try to do this the best that I can. If you have questions about it, you're free to email me and ask me. Uh, I spent a little bit of time putting this together, but I need to, I need to condense it for the message's sake. So um, 22, biblically speaking, the number 11 represents the number of chaos, right? Of things being out of control, of, of chaos, literally. And so what the Bible does then is take 11 times 2 is 22. 22 is the number for double chaos. Is that weird? Considering the time that we live in right now, is that not just weird? So uh, looking at that, now if that was the only thing I saw in it, I don't even think I would have brought that this morning, to be honest with you. But I saw that, and in relation to all the stuff that's happening right now, um, I think that there's a message here. The other meaning of the number 22 is the word light, as in thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, uh, 22 is the representation of God's light. Jesus was the light that came into the world, and the world didn't understand it, but the darkness could not turn the light out, man. The light still shines and always will shine. So you put the two things together, and I think that the, the message here is that in the time of chaos, and maybe even double chaos, God is a light in that chaos. He is a light to our path. He is a lamp under what we're doing, right? And so that in the middle of even around us, uh, you can see everything that just looks like it's out of control and what's going to happen, and we're all hoping it's going to be better. I think that almost, I, I think that we'll see some good things happen with COVID this year, but I think we're living in the time and the season of chaos on the face of the earth. And Jesus said they're the beginning of birth pains. But in the middle of all that, he is a light in the darkness, and we are his people. So this is the word picture that all comes together that I felt like the Lord gave me. Let me just read this to you. In 2022, continued chaos is going to be possible maybe more than ever. But in Jesus, there will be light and direction. Actually, he's able to make our way through the chaos by giving us his light. The picture that I got was Israel coming out of Egypt. It was utter chaos in the nation of Egypt when Israel was trying to get out. In fact, let me read this to you. Exodus 12, 33 through 36. The Egyptians, panicking, urged the people to hurry and leave the country. The Egyptians said to them, we will all be dead if you don't get out of here. So the people filled their baking pans with unleavened dough, wrapped them in their clothes, and carried them on their shoulders as they were leaving in a hurry. The Israelites had done as Moses had said, now listen, and had asked the Egyptians for gold and silver jewelry and for clothes. The Lord made the Egyptians respect, fear, and find favor. <laughs> Israel found favor with them so that the people gave them what they asked for. In this way, the Israelites carried away the wealth of the Egyptians. Israel plundered Egypt in the chaos of the Exodus. I believe what the Lord is saying is that even in times of utter chaos, he makes a way for his people to prosper. He makes their path clear. He makes their way straight. He sets their feet on a solid rock. And you can even prosper when everyone else around you is struggling in the chaos of a world that's upside down. And so you might even ask, why is God allowing this to happen? Because when it's dark, you need light. 
And God can allow things to happen in order to cause people to turn towards him. So I don't believe that God causes chaos. I think that God can allow chaos. Chaos is never, the Lord is not, but the enemy is. And God raises a standard in that. So people of God, even if this year has chaos with it, fear not. His word, his truth, his presence is a lamp and a light and will take us through safely to the other side. Amen? Amen. And amen. So we have much to look forward to uh, in this year, not to fear, but to look forward. In fact, I wrote this, 2022 really represents a time when wild dreams are turned into solid accomplishments. That's going to be 2022 for Jubilee. Wild dreams will become solid accomplishments for us in our life. So um, here's what we're doing. The new series is called The Way Back. And I think you'll find out why that's appropriate uh, for the first of the year. A lot of people right now are making New Year's resolutions. And rather than ask you if you're doing that, uh, let's just assume that there are people in here who are making them. And I've got nothing against resolutions. Resolutions are good. Probably the one thing, though, about a resolution that I don't like is it always focuses on what's wrong, doesn't it? We're never reinforcing what's right. It's always about what's, I need to lose weight. I need to work out. I need to quit doing so much of this. I need to do less of that, right? It's always about something that's broken, and I get that, right? We want to fix things. But do we ever consider, like, the spiritual part of that? So let me read this to you. This is 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. Physical exercise has some benefit, but godliness is beneficial for all things, holding promise for both this present life and for the one to come. So that when we're making resolutions and we're thinking about things in our life that we want to see happen, that we want to change, that we want to get instituted, habits that we want to break or goals that we want to achieve, the truth of the matter is so many of us only focus on things that affect this life and we never think about the life to come. And just this question, if you're a believer today, which life is going to last so much longer? This one is a blip on the radar screen. Sure, it's important, but the Bible says that all things are passing away right now. They're decaying and aging. How many of you will turn older this year? Everybody in the room, raise your hand. Come on, it's not a trick question. Think about it. You are aging, right? It's passing away. But we tend to always think about how do I make this temporary thing better without thinking about what can I do here and what can I do then. And that's why Paul gives us instruction. Physical exercise does have a benefit. There's nothing wrong with exercise. There's a benefit to it. But godliness, physical, right, just has a physical meaning to it. But spiritual exercise, spiritual goals, spiritual uh, pursuit, right, it has a, a benefit for now and for eternity. And we really need to be thinking in terms of both of those things. So when I was writing the message uh, what makes this message a little bit difficult today is I want to try to express like where my heart is and I want to start off with a bang coming into 2022 and I, here's what I know about today and about the holidays that we just came through. I love Christmas. I think New Year's is a blast, but the last two weeks really, guys, we have overdone it in about everything. We've overdone it in food. We've overdone it in just like our schedules are messed up. We've overdone it in parties. We've overdone it in family stuff. So you, you, then you come in on this Sunday. The pastor stands up. We're going to talk about getting back to God. We're going to talk about making like spiritual resolutions. And everybody's like, oh, I'm with you, pastor. I know it doesn't look like it, but deep inside I'm yelling right now. Trust me, give me another week and I'll, I'll be there. 
It's just, it's so, I, it's just like I used to fight that and fight that thinking, it's like how do we overcome? Some of it's just like it is the, so here's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to assume that even if you don't shout about it, that somewhere deep inside of you, God is planting a seed right now that will cause a great reaction in the, in the time to come. But I want to share with you really where my heart is at. And I think the reason I want to share with you where my heart is at and what I, what I want to see happen this year is because I think, I think if you love Jesus, these are things that you want to see happen too. So I'm trying to connect this all. Like here's our common denominator. Here's where we want to go this year. I know as many different people here or many different goals that we have for our lives. But I think that there's some common denominator goals for believers. So let me, let me give you three things for 2022. That, uh, that I've been looking about and praying about and where my mind has been. One, um, uh, personal restoration. Just personal restoration uh, I'm asking the Lord for. It. So let me just tell you what I'm feeling and try to describe this. And um, so I know we don't live by feelings, but that doesn't mean that feelings aren't important. And we don't want to make all of our decisions based on feelings, but the Lord's the one who gave us feelings. Emotions matter, but emotions shouldn't control your life. So that when I say, this is what I'm feeling, I don't want you to think that like this is a thing that's running in my life. I'm just in touch with this inside of my heart. And so let me describe to you like where my heart is uh, at right now. It's like so many things have happened over the last two years. And then and like in Colorado, it's been intensified in the last 30 days. And so many things are happening. I just feel like I'm bouncing from event to major event to major event. And they're happening so fast. It's almost as though my heart just grows harder by it. Where I can watch these things at a distance. And almost, almost it's just so much that you can't almost get involved in it. Because it will divide your heart up in so many different places. All you can do is just kind of observe it from a distance. Because to get too close would be too painful. And so I find my heart just almost being hardened over just all that's happening in the world right now. All that's happening in our, our city and in our state and in our world today. You go from one extreme in politics to local politics to all that's happening. Fires? Shootings? Does it not seem like every time you turn around, some kind of an... Like before they would have been lifetime events. Now they're weekly events. Yes or no? And I just find my heart, like I'm just observing, like it's something on TV over here, and my heart, it breaks for people, but it's like, it's, I don't know, it's, something's happening in my heart that's not good. And I find myself more removed instead of more connected to it. I find myself more withdrawn. Maybe I tell myself it's a protection thing, but in reality, I don't know what's going on with my heart, and I don't like it, and something needs to change because it's not as soft as it needs to be. How many of you are aware of the condition of your heart? It's a very dangerous place to not know where your heart is. And you might quote to me the Old Testament and say, no one knows the heart. It's deceitfully wicked. That does not mean you cannot know the condition of your heart. You should be able to know when it's soft and it's pliable and when it's hard and it's indifferent. You should know when it's hot and passionate and when it's cold and unmovable. Where's your heart today? So while I ask you that question, I've already answered it for myself. My heart's not in the place I want it to be. It needs to change. I need God to touch my heart. Have you lived long enough to realize you can't do anything about your heart? You can recognize where it is, but you cannot change your heart. All you can do is ask God to change your heart. God help me. 
So man, personal restoration for me in 2022 is absolutely critical. I'm not okay not being okay. Eric, I'll say it one more time. I'm not okay not being okay. Too many people live their lives not okay and never ask why. They just live that way. And the outflow of a heart that's not in a good place is a world in chaos. It's messed up and it continues to be more and more messed up. Why is that? Church, what's going on? So personal restoration for me in 2022 is absolutely, I need God to touch my heart. Here's the second one, um, man, uh, church restoration. I want personal restoration, but church restoration. So here's what I'm sensing. Now about my heart, it's what I'm feeling, but in our church, here's what I'm sensing. And maybe just because I'm, you know, I get the title of, hey, that's the, there's our pastor. That's our senior leader. We have many, many leaders in our church, many great pastors, but I get the title that's the senior pastor right there. There's our founding pastor. That's, that's the one that holds the vision for the church. So what I'm sensing because of my office is that we need more than a building to look forward to in 2022. So listen to me. Because I'm not trying to undercut the very vision that I stand up here and present to you and that I believe in and that I, I, we're personally sacrificing just like you are to achieve this thing. But our greatest goal cannot be that we build and get into a new building in 2022. That cannot be the highlight of what is going to happen in our church. If that is the highlight for our church, if that is the hope of our church, if that's the best thing that happens to our church, woe is this church. Woe is this church. You know, that's a wonderful tool and it's going to be a wonderful advantage. It's going to fulfill vision and do things. All of us, if you're committed to being here and a part of here, let me say this, all of you will marvel at what God does with that in the coming year. You will look and go, I had no idea. And how can I be so sure of that? Because that's who God is. We all, nobody knows the Lord's ways. His ways are higher than ours and different than ours. We plan good things and God goes, that is so pathetic compared to what I really want to do. Well, I said it earlier, you know, uh, in, when we first moved in, we're doing addition and subtraction while God's doing quantum mechanics all around us. And we're like, how did that happen? Church restoration. I, I want to look more you know, I, I'm, when we moved into this back in the fall and we talked about a Mile High Revival, everybody chuckled and laughed and we clapped about it. So, but why not here and why not now? So why do, we, why do we have to have a new building for it to take place? And what would be different? Because what I'm going to say to you is it's the people, not the building. There are beautiful buildings all over the world built for the glory of God but full of people who have no intention of seeing that through. So what does the building have to do with it? It's the people inside of the building. And I'm just asking, man, what we need as, not so as an individual, I want God to touch my heart again. I, I want it restored. I want it soft. I want it pliable. I want, to, I want the Lord to be able to just simply, I want to be able to sense, hey, that's what, without having to take four weeks and ask for 19 signs. Okay, if that's really you, wiggle my big toe. And then if he did it, you know what you would say? Um, can you do it one more time? I'm just not sure of that. That might have been my... So I need it for me personally. But we need it as a church. We need it as a group of people. 
We need for the Lord to... It's just been, it's been a long two years. We find ourselves meeting in circumstances as a church. I, and I bless all of you. I love all of you. Please, if you hear me like, guys, pastor mad at us? Not in any way, shape, or form. It's just the opposite of that. I have high hopes for this group of people. I believe great things about this group of people. So much so that I'm willing to stand up here and say, guys, our greatest ambition for 2022 can't be that in a couple of months we move into a new building and, hey, we've achieved everything that we ever wanted to achieve. That's nothing more than just the fulfillment of dreams. What does God want to do with us as a group? How will we change the world? How will we redeem our community? And I know when I was putting this together, Chris and I were saying to each other, see, you're hearing this. I've had a couple of weeks to ruminate on this and pray about this and marinate on this. But you hear it for the first time coming out of really two long weeks of flesh feel-good stuff. And spirit kind of gets pushed back when the flesh is... And I, this isn't bad flesh. It's good flesh. Christmas is good flesh. But still, in a lot of ways, it's flesh. Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, we're overextended. We're overspending. We're over to everything. And then all of a sudden, the pastor's like, what about our spirits? Oh, please, pastor. Can't you give us one more week? No, I can't. It's not in my nature. And then the last one, what Chris and I were saying to each other is you're going to hear this for the first time, and I'm going to say some big things today. And, and you're just, because you haven't had a chance for this to marinate, and you haven't let the Holy Spirit, and then we've got some exercises that we want to do here, but you, you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit yet to be able to, to infiltrate your heart. And so you're going to hear these things and almost it's going to be like, what? So I need personal restoration. I want to see church restoration. So what about city restoration? We never think bigger. Guys, look what's going on in our city right now. Can I read something scary to you? Well, serious? Not scary, serious. According to the Gun Violence Archive, the shooting in Denver and Lakewood last week, listen to this number, represented the 687, 687, almost 700. The shooting last week represented the 687 mass shooting in America in 2021. Let me define mass shooting where four or more people have been injured. Four or more people. So in America in 2021, there were 687 mass shootings. Now, let's bring this home. <laughs> it was the 13th such mass shooting in Colorado in 2020. That's more than one a month. I planted the church right before Columbine. And Columbine, for all of the evil in Columbine, the worst thing that it did almost spiritually was open a door to allow Colorado almost be ground zero. For where these, twice my friend in Israel contacted me this week, one over the shootings, are you guys okay? And then he saw the fires, are you guys okay? So just look at me real quick. What is going on? in our state and do you care is it just well 
climate change. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, it's got to be COVID, right? Nobody ever asks that the further from God we drift, the worse things become. Nobody ever stops to put two and two together. Nobody ever says, it's like the, the old proverbial, how do you boil a frog, right? You turn it up just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. But when all of a sudden you, you reveal the numbers at once, 687 mass shootings in our country last year. Ugh! And if you sit there and think, well, we need to do something then about guns, that's not the issue. It's not it. It's the heart of the people. So politicians will say, we need to change the law. And rights people will say, well, we need to make sure we hold on to our rights. And nobody says what's going on with the soul of a nation. What's going on with the soul of a nation? So, man, I'm just pursuing God a little bit last night. For whatever reason, he brought me so I'm way away from my notes right now. Am I cool? Can I just talk? So I, I go to Genesis 4, and it's when Cain killed Abel. He was jealous and angry with his brother, so he said, let's go for a walk. And he literally killed his brother. And then God said, where's your brother? And these are the famous words. Am I my, my brother's keeper? That's where it comes from. And then God, anytime God asks you a question, it's not because he lacks the knowledge. <laughs> Never. He's never at a disadvantage, like, hey, what's happening down there? He asked the question because he's trying to get Cain or Adam or Eve to recognize what's happened to you, what's going on inside of you. So to Cain, where's your brother Abel? How do I know him? Am I my brother's keeper? And then he tells him, what have you done? His blood cries out to me from the ground. Does blood speak? Does it have a... Does the violence of our nation put a curse on it? Am I too deep for you right now? So, I mean, are we in a place where it's going to take a whole lot more than legislation? And dude, here's what our legislation is bringing us anyway. Every day it brings us further and further divided as a nation, which is also a curse according to the word of God. In unity, God commands his blessing. In unity. So that means that when there's no unity, his blessing is not being released in a place. Why don't we ever put two and two together? I love this nation. Just, just so you do. I love this nation. And I own guns. So I'm not up here with an axe to grind on some political issue. In fact, if you go, you know I try to keep politics. It's so difficult to keep the main thing the main thing today. Yeah. And I really feel like that's my job more than anything else is just to keep it focused on Jesus. Yeah. What's wrong with the soul of our nation? And where's the church involved in what's going on? We're so worried about surviving just us that we never think how's our church doing, let alone what can we do in our city? And the devil loves it. Exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for now and for the world to come. Where are we at spiritually? All right, so let's, uh, let's get to this.
Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. What time is it? Listen to these really powerful words. If my people... So the prerequisite is that you have to belong to the Lord. Am I in the right place today? How many of you belong to the Lord? Yeah, just do it for my sake. Do you belong to the Lord? So if you don't raise your hand, I'm worried about you right now. So ease my mind. Lie to me if you must. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, listen to the promise, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore or I will heal their land. If... Violence and the blood thereof that falls to the earth causes the earth to cry out to God. Do you know what Cain's punishment was? Is that every time he tried to work the earth, the earth would not let it, it would not produce for him. Since I wonder how hard we're working and no legislation is producing. Money by the trillions. Anybody with me? So I, Again, look at me. I'm not talking politics. No politics. I'm looking at it from a different perspective. We're doing all of these things. It's almost as though the ground is shut up and we can't find the production. We're, we're going back to the ways that we, in the past they would work, but they're not working today. We find ourselves further and further and further. And the only one who's going to recognize it God's people, the world's not going to stop and go, hey, what's wrong with us spiritually? The world has no answers for a spiritual crisis. That's why I say from time to time, if you think that we have a political problem today, you are, you are deceived. We have a spiritual problem in this nation today, and we will not fix it by passing a law or electing a particular party. It will not happen that way. And you are wasting your time thinking in four-year increments. Laws matter. People matter. Morality matters. No doubt about it. But it's not how you fix a spiritual problem. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, repent... I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and I will heal or restore their land. It's a big, that's a big promise. So here's my question to you, totally rhetorical. Do you believe it's even possible? Is it, no really, is this, is it possible? Is it too late? So there are four directives. Pursue. They're in order for us to, to turn to God. So I don't think these are just random. Like do these four in any order that you want. I think they build upon each other. 
And I think that there's just like, this is one, this is two, this is three, this is four. So let me see if I can help make sense of this. The first directive is humble yourself. Why, Why does humility come before anything else? Humility allows a heart to be in the right place to see things, to approach things. Instead of judging, instead of saying, well, if we would get behind this political party, or if we would vote for this thing, or if we would give money to this thing. Humility allows you to let all the pretense drop to the side. Instead of it being some prideful thing where if we did this, humility allows you to recognize there's only one answer. Humility is to rightly ascertain who you are in this world and who God is in this world. Where humanity is and where the creator is. So the four directives, and I think that they're in order. Humble yourself, then pray, then seek his face, and repentance comes out of that. So I believe that there's an order to the directives, that they're not just scattered or thrown in there any which way. I think that you have to do them in the order. So the first one that we're encouraged to do is to humble ourselves, which quite honestly is the very opposite of the flex culture that we live in in 2022. And if you're like, what does that mean? So it comes from the idea that when you're flexing, you're showing, I can't flex, but (laughs) you stand up. Stand up. And turn around, and give a little flex. Flex, no. Not genuflect, flex. Flex, all right. So when you're flexing, you're showing off. You ever seen someone at the gym who can do it? They're looking in a mirror. When they go to pick something up, they flex all the triceps when they're... My grandkids think I have big muscles, so I love the lie for the next few years. They also used to think I was tall, too. I used to love that. Papa, you're so big, you're so tall. Well, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then they hit that age where they're like, I'm taller than you are, I'm taller than you are. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> if my people will humble themselves. It's the very opposite of the culture, of the day, of the media, of the way that people live their their lives. Listen, even if you're a believer, here's normally how a believer looks at humility. Normally, we promote ourselves and recognize that life humbles us. And so we've got to tr- kind of try to take care of ourselves. We, we can't be humiliated. We, I mean, look, there's enough going on out here that's against me. I, I've got to stand up. I've got, got to show that I can overcome and be something. In this particular scripture, listen to this truth. Listen to me. Please listen to me. We are being asked not just to allow humility to happen, We're being asked to pursue humility. We're not being asked to stand there and take it if it comes your way. We're being asked to go out and humble yourself. You choose to do this. Don't wait for it to happen. Don't be okay if it does. Intentionally choose to humble yourself. What does that mean though? Because there's a lot of different thoughts about what it means to be humble. Some of it's just false humility. Some of it's wrong-headed humility. But what does it biblically mean to be a humble person? 
So let me read you these scriptures first to give you an idea of how God views, his, views humility and what it means to be humble. This is James 4, 6. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes who? But gives grace to who? If for no other reason, then you don't want God to do this to you. And you want him to throw his arms around you and give you grace. Humble. How about 1 Peter 5, 5? In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, how many is all of you? All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In this, it paints a word picture. Dress yourself in humility. Let me read one more to you. This is James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and then He will lift you up in honor. Normally, we try to lift ourselves up in honor, but God is saying, intentionally humble yourself and let me lift you. Can I just say this to you? You want God to lift you up rather than you lift you up because when He lifts you up, you're really lifted up. The best you can do is to maybe get on your tippy toes. But if God lifts you up, everybody sees what God does. So all I'm trying to paint for you is a picture of how God, it's like a metal to magnet, God to humility. <laughs> and there's a repelling factor of God and pride. Humble biblically is the word modesty. When's the last time you heard a message on modesty? That does not fly with a flex culture, yes or no. Modesty, by the way, is not how you dress necessarily. It can be that. And that's normally what we think of when we think of modesty. Someone who wears clothing in of a particular style or a particular way. But that's not what modesty is. Modesty, biblical modesty, is to rightly have a picture of who you are and who God is. So you cannot know Humility without knowing the awesomeness of God. Because without knowing who He is, you'll have a wrong-headed idea about what humility is. Humility is to rightly ascertain your place in the universe. Who you are. It's to know that you are so important and without price that God sent His one and only Son to die for you. But He is God and you are creation. He is eternal and you are finite. He knows everything, and you know nothing. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. Humility is to be lowly in your mind. It's not to see yourself as scum. It's not to see yourself as worthless. It's just to have the right understanding of, it's, it's not to feel like you're all that. The funnest people that I love to be around are the ones who don't know how cool they really are. Do you know what I mean by that? Because the ones who know it are really hard to be around. But the ones that I love are the ones who don't know how really smart they are, how really powerful they are, how really important they are. They just don't see themselves as all that. One of the highest compliments my pastor ever paid me, I was was just learning how to preach. And the Lord began to really, really bless it, right? 
and had given me a gift. The gift, the Bible says, find a man with a gift or a woman with a gift and it opens doors. They'll stand before kings and queens. It means God will allow important things to happen because of your gift. And my gift began to shine and mature. And my pastor, man, I was getting a lot of accolades and a lot of good things. And my pastor pulled me back in the office and he goes, you know, you've never come and asked for a raise. You've never come and asked for a title. You've never asked. He said, I don't think you realize how important you are to everybody. That's humility. Of course, right after that, then I asked for a raise. And then I, <laughs> oh, you're right. I, you know. It's ascertaining correct when you don't know what a cool thing it is, right? Even more important when you do know, but you don't have to be all that. Because God's all that. Man, I thought I had this short message and I'm over time. Okay, listen, because here's the whole, the whole message. Hear this. The good gift of fasting. I know. I see. You, I wish you guys could stand and see. I get to see everybody's face. Some go like this, and some go like this. Some people just drop their head. <laughs> the ones who smiled didn't hear a word I said. They're like, the good gift of fasting. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter six. Jesus talking. When you, one more time. When you, not if you. Or not you should, or if you decide to do this, this is Jesus talking like this is a normal thing for a believer. When you fast, don't make it obvious that the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get for their fasting. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. In other words, if you're going to fast, don't put on an act with it. Do it and act like everything's just normal. Act like you just had a great big meal. Don't come, oh, I'm seeing floaties in front of my face. How long have you been fasting? I haven't started, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Isaiah 58. Look at this real quick. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Please pay attention to this. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds that are being bent in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No way. Here's the kind of fasting that God wants. I want fasting that frees those who are wrongly imprisoned. I want fasting that lightens the burden of those who work for you. I want fasting that lets the oppressed go free. I want fasting that removes the chains that bind people. I want fasting that causes you to share your food with the hungry, to give shelter to the homeless, to give clothes to those who need them, and not to hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Here's that promise of healing again. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. 
Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Hold on. Okay, anybody putting any dots together? Drawing any lines? Any correlation? Any understanding? We look at our nation, but that's too big. So let's look at our city or our community. Look what's happening. Look what's happening. What will it be like next year? So we always think negative. What if revival were to come next year? What if the heart of a community actually turned? Could you see an actual decrease in crime? So I believe in police. We've got many of them in our church. I love them and stand with them. But I'm going to tell you that's not the only answer to what's going on in our society. Policing cannot change a heart. You want to change something? Change the heart of a person. Folks, hear me on this. How do we do that? Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known, look at what you'll be known as, rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. I would love for our church to be known, that's the church of restoration. Go there, no, don't go there unless you want your marriage to flourish. Don't go there unless you want your children to do well. Don't go to that church unless you want to be challenged in your spiritual life to be hungry for God. Don't go there unless you want to prosper. I want to be known for that. Not, hey, there's good teaching there. Hey, the worship is there. Hey, they got a new building. You laugh, but that's usually how people end up at churches. Hey, they got a cool building. Which says a lot about you right now. Because we ain't meeting in a cool building. I'm paying you a high compliment. Repairer of the broken walls. Would love to see that happen before I go to the other side and live in that other life. Anybody else? It's like, man, I look forward to that, but what about here? What about now? And is, it, is your faith even, like, do I preach this and you even like, I got too much going on in my life. Okay. So listen, and then I have to get you out of here. I'm calling a fast. And here's the directive. Starting one week from today, the 9th, and lasting for two weeks to the 23rd. I'm calling a fast. I'm giving you a week, and I've actually been talking about it for several weeks if you've been paying attention. I've been talking about in January we were going to do this. I've been trying to prepare the way, till up the soil, get you to think about it a little bit. And I know we just came through like a really busy time. Me too. 
but I was looking so forward to come into this time. And I've given a week from the time I'm calling it to the time that I'm starting it because I want you to go home and I want you to pray about this. The Holy Spirit will actually tell you if you should fast. And then He will tell you what to fast. Maybe it's a combination. So I'm going to give you a few ideas, right? We always just think of food. That's the one that I'm going to try to do maybe as a combination with some other stuff. But food would be like the one that I wrote first. But let me tell you, for some people, media might be a far more hard sacrifice to give up. Could you see putting your phone away? Could you see turning off your internet? Gasp. So I know what you're telling Pastor, I need it for an emergency. Could you see giving up alcohol for two weeks? Could you see giving up shopping for two weeks? Now, if you're sitting there going, thank God he didn't say the one that I'm struggling with. This is what's really important. Please listen to this. To fast without doing this will be a complete waste of time. So listen. The reason that we fast is because it helps to humble ourselves. Follow me. But for a fast to be effective, it's not just to stop doing something. You have to turn to God during that time. So you don't fast food and then sit in a chair and just suffer. You fast so that you get on your face before God. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Look, I know many of you have a quiet time where you spend time with the Lord, but when's the last time you put away all the books, including your Bible, and you just sat in his presence and listened for his voice? Tell me the last time you heard him talk to you. When's the last time you experienced intimacy, deep intimacy with the Father? Do you even know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking down to you right now. And if I poke your heart, if I push on you right now, it's not because I'm mad at you and it's not because I don't care about you. It's because I deeply, passionately believe that God wants to do something with your life in 2020. I know how to teach I know how to make people say oh that was a great message but I'm really not I want it to be said of me and of us that's the place where things get fixed go there if your life is broken go there your children are hurting go there if they say it's hopeless go to that place God's in that place not just they talk about him or they believe in him or they pay tribute but the supernatural is alive place man God's healing hearts in that place 
God's restoring broken hearts in that place. God's calling people back from the edge in that place. God's replacing violence with peace. God's taking death and speaking life. I literally, if I could, I'd walk up and down each of these aisles and look every one of you in the eye and let you know God's heart for you right now. The compassion that he feels for you. All of this is because he loves us. All of it is because he loves us. He's not mad at you. He's not angry. God's not counting anyone's sins against them anymore. It's all been taken care of through Jesus. The only thing less, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Let's do our job. Let's persuade people to be reconciled to the Father. That he loves them. You go, Pastor, get after it. Oh, come on. There's no show where we come watch the pastor do this. This is your ministry. It's my ministry. And I want to be about this this year. I don't want our highlight to be in the springtime we got our new building. I almost want that to come and go as though it was just, it was great, but oh, God was moving so powerfully. I don't want my city to be known as the violence capital of America. I don't want my friends to contact me because they're worried about my health. How weird would it be if they contacted me and said, dude, we heard 10,000 people got saved in Denver last week. What is going? It's become normal for people to call and say, are, are you doing okay? Did your house burn down to the ground? Were you guys near that shooting? And it's become so normal. We, hear, we don't even flinch anymore. No, no, I'm okay. And then we think it would be weird if someone were to call and say, hey man, I heard there was a huge revival in Denver. Our thinking is so turned backwards by the enemy of our soul. We don't even know it. And worse, we don't even believe it anymore. God call us back to belief Give us the grace to fast. There's more I want to say, but I, I, I haven't the time. But the next few weeks, the reason we called it the way back to God is just, it's not that we think you're away from God. We just think that there's more in God. More, and I can prove it because this is okay, but there's just so much more. There's just so much more. And I don't want an emotional response, like the worst thing that can happen. How many of you are with me? Let's fast. Yay. Oh, why did I say that? That's not the way to do this. Get before the Holy Spirit this week and just ask. What would you have me do? And by the way, I'm not the judge and jury on it. It's like if you can't fast food, you don't need to tell me why you can't. It's okay. I'm not judging. It's between you and God. But ask. And see if there's something. And maybe it's a combination of something. Maybe it's media on this day. And maybe it's food on this day. Or maybe it's... 
But would you ask? Would you ask? And the one prerequisite is, if my people. If you're not God's people, you don't have to ask. But if you're not his people, what are you doing? Don't leave this place without being his people. Do not do that. Okay. It's a little different message. I don't have a clean way to tie it up and put a bow on it and say, here you go. I have an assignment for you that over the next six days, would you get before the Lord and would you ask him if he has a part for you in this? If after leaving this place, you can't remember the things that were said, go to the website and you can listen to it again for free. It's there. Remind yourself this week. We're praying for you right now. Desperately praying for you. I'm starting to fast sooner so that I can fast for you. By the way, it's one last thing and then you can go. We're not fasting this year for something. We're not fasting for a building. We're not fasting for the finances. We are fasting for more of Jesus. That's what we want. More of Jesus. If we get that, we'll have everything that we need. I promise you. I promise you. I bless you. The Lord keep you and the Lord watch over you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord grant you the grace to do what we're talking about right here. Pastor Marley's going to say goodbye to you. Love you guys, and I'll see you next weekend.